0: he is risen. Now the proper response to that is for you to say, he is risen indeed. So no matter where you are, in your dining room, at your kitchen table, in your living room, watching the television, when I say he is risen, you reply with, he is risen indeed. Okay, let's do it. One, two, three. He is risen. Very good. You did a good job on that. The reason we're here this morning, the reason we celebrate this morning is because the greatest event the world has ever known happened some 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The reason it's so important is because if it's true, it changes everything. If Jesus was truly raised from the dead, it changes how we look at everything. It changes our lives. It changes how we think about things. If you, it doesn't really matter whether you agree with what the Bible says about money or sex or marriage or anything like that. If Jesus isn't alive, it doesn't matter at all. But if he was raised from the dead... If Jesus was truly raised from the grave, if he set aside death and took life back up for himself, it changes everything. It makes all the difference in the world. You have to deal with the Bible in a different way, because if he's alive... It matters. It makes a difference in our lives. There was a man who had a real problem with Jesus and his followers. His name was Saul of Tarsus. As a matter of fact, he was so convinced that Jesus and his followers were a pernicious threat to his faith that he chased them down, he jailed them, he even killed some of them because he wanted to rid them of all of that kind of stuff that he saw as a threat to his faith. But one day something happened to change his mind. You probably know the story. He's on the road to Damascus riding to arrest some Christians that are there when suddenly a bright light strikes him and he's put down off of his donkey and he lays on the ground and he says, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus Christ said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul knew that Jesus had died. Paul knew that Jesus was in the grave. What he didn't know was that Jesus was alive. And Jesus came into his life and convinced him that he was alive and living well. And Paul had to deal with that. Until they met the risen Savior on the road to Damascus, suddenly Paul's life changed. He went from being the greatest persecutor of the church to the greatest advocate of Jesus Christ in the whole world. That's why the, the, the resurrection matters, that's why we're celebrating today, is because if it's true that Jesus Christ is alive, it changes everything. You have to look at life differently if it's, if it's true. Chapter 28 tells one of the perspectives of the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from two ladies' perspective, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary it says in the Bible. And let's read that together. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. It says this, Early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Now you've got to picture what happened here. These ladies had just been through the most traumatic weekend of their life. They had watched Jesus die on the cross. They had seen him tortured. They watched as he was whipped and beaten within an inch of his life. And then they watched as the nails were driven into his hands and his feet. And as he was hoisted up on that cross, they watched as the blood drained from his body and finally they watched him take his final breath and die. And then they watched as he was taken down off of that cross and put into an empty grave because there was no time to really prepare the body. They just wrapped him in linens and put, it in, put him in the grave. And they came back that morning to, to anoint the body for burial, for its final burial. But as they did, they were greeted with an earthquake. And they watched as an angel appeared and sat down on the stone that covered the, the, graves, the grave itself. And, and, uh, and they watched as the, as the uh, guards fainted away into a dead faint. Suddenly, they were there in the presence of God Himself. And then in verses 25 or 5 through 7, it says, Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. Now, I've said this before, but it's amazing to me. Whenever an angel appears, whenever Jesus appears to somebody, he always says the same thing. They were sorely afraid, and then they say, Don't be afraid. Right, don't be afraid. They just saw an angel. How are they going to be otherwise? Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Then in verses 8 through 10, it says, The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. And they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I want you to notice a couple of things about this piece of Scripture. First of all, they rush away to tell the disciples what the angels had said, and they are described as very frightened but filled with great joy also. Those are two kind of strange terms to go together, aren't they? But they were confused. They didn't know what had happened. They didn't know what was going on. And so they ran away with full of emotion. And then they run into Jesus. They see Jesus for themselves. And then everything begins to come clear. He is alive. He's conquered death. He's out of the grave. There he is. And they realize not only that he's alive, but they realize probably for the first time just who Jesus really was. He was God. He was God incarnate. He was God come in the flesh. And they bowed down before him and they grasped his feet and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Jesus doesn't rebuke their worship. He doesn't say, oh no, ladies, don't worship me. I'm just a man like, like you are a human being. I'm just a man. He, he receives their worship and he confesses by that reception of their worship that he is God himself. And then he tells them to go tell his disciples that he was going to meet them in Galilee. You know, this is a tremendous event that Jesus, the resurrection is a tremendous event in the history of the world. We've said that already, but I can't get it across to you enough. The, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ is bound upon the idea that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 and 4 tells us that this is the cornerstone of the gospel. It's the most important thing that we have in our lives. He says this, I passed on to you what was most important. I passed on to you what was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Paul was was telling them that what he was doing there, what he was teaching them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the cornerstone of everything that they were. Everything that he was is wrapped up in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You know, a lot of people call themselves Christians. They say that they're Christians. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere, 81% of Americans call themselves Christians. They consider themselves to be Christians. But I think a big chunk of those people consider themselves to be Christians because of what they aren't. They aren't Muslim. They aren't Shintoists. They aren't Buddhists. But they are Christians in the sense that they, that they identify with that. But the question is, do they believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do they count it as a reality? Is it something that's real to them? Has Jesus revealed himself to them? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of his death burial and resurrection. We're going to go through some scriptures here this morning and they're going to show you that the the resurrection of Jesus Christ is talked about a lot more in scripture than we even think. Sometimes we just kind of gloss over it. But Jesus is at the right hand of the Father today right now. He's alive at this moment. He's living for us. He's living in heaven with, for us and his death, his burial, and his resurrection are what really matter in our lives. You've got to get that straight in your heart and in your soul that Jesus died, He was buried, and He was resurrected again. Well, you may be thinking, okay, I get it. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. But what does that mean for me? What does it mean in my life today? What does it mean as far as I'm concerned? Well, I'm going to talk about three things that the resurrection promises for your life. And the first thing that the resurrection promises is it promises God's forgiveness. The resurrection promises God's forgiveness of your sins. You can be clean this morning. You can be whole before God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. In the book of Romans, it says that. Everybody's a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. It doesn't matter if it's big sins or little sins. A sin is a sin in God's eyes, and it separates us from God's grace. But it also says in the book of Hebrews that without, the, without blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sin. Your sins cannot be forgiven unless blood is shed. That's why in the Old Testament, all of the oxen and all of the goats and all of the sheep were sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. And all of it was looking forward to Jesus' perfect sacrifice that he gave on the cross. When he died on the cross, he died for you and I. Jesus said in John 11:25, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. What a great promise Jesus gives to us. Even after we die, we can live because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and his life. God came in the flesh. Only God has power to, live, to, to over life and death. Only God can lay down His life and pick it up again. Jesus said that very specifically in John chapter 10, verse 18. He says this, No one can take my life from me. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it back up again. Now listen to those words. I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and to take it back up again. Jesus came back to life by his own will. It was no outside force that came and gave him life again. He just decided, I'm not going to be dead anymore. And he was alive. That's the reality of who Jesus is. He is God come in the flesh. If Jesus has the power to raise the dead, which only God can do, then he certainly has the power to forgive your sins. His resurrection is the proof of who he is so that he can forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 8, 8 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be clean today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there's sin in your life, I want you to know you serve a God who is ready, willing, and able to forgive you right now. Right where you are, in your living room, at your coffee table, wherever you are right now, Jesus stands ready to forgive you of your sins. So number one, the resurrection is the promise of God's forgiveness of your sins. Number two, it's God's promise of the power to change you, to give you new life, to change your life. Have you ever wanted to start over again? Did you ever wish that there were things in your life that you could just kind of erase away and make gone so that they never were there? Did you know that God offers you a new life? It's directly connected with the resurrection. The new life that God offers you is directly connected with the resurrection. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life is come. It tells us that you can be a new person in Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Well, it says in Colossians 2.12, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Baptism is important. It's important that you be water baptized if you're a believer in Jesus Christ because it symbolizes your new life in Christ. We believe in immersion here at North Point. We believe in dunking you under the water. We don't sprinkle, we dunk because it, it, it pictures this life and death and new life picture that Jesus tells us about and Paul tells us about in the book of Colossians when you go down in the water you're buried in the waters of baptism your old life is dead and gone and buried but you're not left there you're raised up just as Jesus was raised from the grave to a new life you receive new life through him through his resurrection Romans 6.4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by His glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. There is a new life that's waiting for you in Jesus Christ. You have died with Christ. You're buried with Him. If you haven't been water baptized, you need to be baptized. I want you to call me and talk to me about it. We'll get you scheduled for water baptism. But Jesus was buried in the waters of bapt- in, in death and he was ro- risen again. That's what baptism stands for. Your new life in Christ. You can have a new life in Jesus Christ. That's good news. And it's all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So number one, the resurrection promises you that you're forgiven of all your sins. Number two, it promises that you have new life in Jesus Christ. And number three, it's the promise of a living hope. A living hope. There is hope beyond this life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter writes about a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Listen to what he says. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Peter writes about this new birth. Peter had a past that we can all relate to. You remember the story. It's on Jesus' trial and resurrection as he's going to the cross. He's taken to the high priest's home and there's a courtyard there and a fire where people are warming themselves around the fire. Peter kind of sneaks into the crowd and stands around there. And a little girl notices him. And she said, hey, you're one of those Galileans, aren't you? You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And he says, no, I don't know the man. I don't know him at all. Don't bother me. You bother me, little girl. Go away. A few minutes later, another man comes up and says, you know what? Your accent gives you away. You're a Galilean, aren't you? I know that you were with Jesus. And he says, no, I was never with him. I don't know the man. Leave me alone. And then finally, a third man comes to him and says, I know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Peter kind of blows his top, blows his cool. It says he curses. He says an oath. And he says, I never knew the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered that Jesus had said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter knew that he had denied his Savior. And he went away a broken man. He was desolate because of what he had done. He thought his relationship could never be mended and never be the same again. But you know how it goes. After Jesus is raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples and he fixes them breakfast on the Sea of Galilee. And he fixes them a fish breakfast on the Sea of Galilee. And he calls Peter aside and he asks him a question. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. And a few seconds later, Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know I love you, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then the third time, Peter Peter was asked, Do you love me more than these? Why three times? Because Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he was restored back to the relationship with him. He wanted him to understand that he had an eternal hope. That's where Peter gets this from when he writes his epistle. He says, Now we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He understood that the resurrection of Jesus and that living hope were connected together. In John 21, that story is told. He was saying to him, Peter, each and every time you fail me, I'm willing to restore you. Now you may have blown it big in your life. Maybe there's something in your life that you wish you could take back, but you can't. And the devil takes his time to remind you time after time and time again of what you've done. I want you to know, Jesus offers us a living hope of a new life eternal with Him. Not only in this life but in the life to come. Jesus' resurrection means that we're going to live eternally with Him. That all of our sins are forgiven, that our new life is here and that we can live eternally with Him. That's what the resurrection does for us today. It tells us of those things that we can have. Now do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It means so much more than just that Jesus rose. It means that you're forgiven. It means that you have a new life. And it means that you have an eternal living hope in Him, in Jesus Christ. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, you can do that right here, right now, right in this place. You can ask Jesus to forgive you. You can ask Jesus to be your new life. You can ask Jesus to give you that eternal home in heaven. And He will. If you'd like to do that, I'd like to pray with you right now. If that's you, I want you to close your eyes and pray with me. Just say these words. Dear Lord Jesus... I love you. I want to be yours. I want to live for you. I want to have you as the center of my life and everything in me revolves around you. Jesus, forgive my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me pure. Jesus, I need a new life. Give me your new life tonight. And Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for that eternal hope that lasts forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a new creation in Jesus Christ right now, and you need to to know that there are things that you can do to help you grow strong in Christ. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you write to me and tell me about it? Pastor Joe at hollandnorthpoint.org. That's Pastor Joe at hollandnorthpoint.org. Let me know that you prayed that prayer, and I'll send you some materials that will help you build a strong faith in Jesus Christ. I trust that you prayed that prayer with me, and I trust that you have a great Easter this morning. God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week right here on this same broadcast. Have a great day. God bless you. Goodbye.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Sabatino. I serve as the associate pastor here at North Point. I just want to take a minute and thank you for being with us. We pray you and your family have been encouraged in your faith by being with us today. We understand that everyone is facing difficulty as our community copes with the new reality of life with COVID-19. We also understand that many are doing so on a non-existent or substantially reduced income. In light of that, we wanna encourage those of you who are able to give to continue doing so. It's by your faithfulness that we're able to meet those with the greatest need, whether that needs tangible goods or emotional and spiritual support. So here's some practical ways that you can give and support the ministry at North Point. First of all, you can just send a check directly to the church at 4200 152nd Avenue, Holland, Michigan, 49424. Secondly, you can go to our website, www.hollandnorthpoint.org and just click the donate button in the upper right-hand corner. And thirdly, you can give my text, 616-202-5021. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for supporting the ministry to our community and have a blessed day.